0: Um, Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to our newest series of Norwich Economics Podcasts. Today we're going to be discussing all the ins and outs of work in international organizations. Let it be intergovernmental, let it be non-governmental, we have uh, quite a diverse set of guests to be able to cover it all. Um, My name is Eva and I am a final year undergraduate student here in School of Economics and I am going to be the host for the session. And um, all the students who are joining us uh, currently live, uh, if I can ask you to please keep your cameras off and microphones off just so we can improve the quality of the recording. But by all means, if at any point uh, you do have any questions to our uh, panelists, you can feel free to put them in the chat and we're going to try to touch on all of those at the end. Okay, um, to start off, I would like to say thank you to all our guests for joining us today, and uh, I, uh, we have a very nice balance from uh, people who are more strongly linked with uh, School of International Development and School of Economics here, and um, I would attempt to introduce all of you uh, and all your great achievements. But I think it's best to uh, leave it to you and uh, so if you could now just uh, introduce yourselves to our listeners and give a short introduction of where you're from, where you are now currently career wise and uh, the short version of your career story, how you got there. Um, Chris, would you like to start?
1: Um, yes, sorry. Nice to meet you all. Um, my name is Chris Pike. I, I until last week, I was well, week before last strictly. Uh, I was a competition expert at the OECD. Um, I was working on antitrust and competition policy there. Um, I did around just over uh, nearly nearly six years altogether. Um, I there I was working, as I say, in the competition division. I led one of the Competition divisions, uh, two working parties. Um, we had one that focused more on uh, sort of the legal aspects of antitrust, uh, whereas mine was a bit more economics focused on the intersection between competition and regulation. Um, and there I dealt with. Uh, uh, a, 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 Basically, we were trying to produce best practice policy reports uh, on a huge range of different topics, uh, all related to competition policy. Um, I would typically do maybe around three of those each year. Um, this would involve a sort of the background paper that we would write for the session, and that would um, feed into ultimately a roundtable discussion of, of that topic that featured um, uh, maybe three or four external speakers um academics uh practitioners and so forth as well as up to maybe 30 uh delegations um who would um make uh would participate in a, ra- a three-hour roundtable to discuss the topic and then we'd we'd do a report on the basis of that um and so that that was basically the, the, the sort of the day-to-day sort of piece that i did um in 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 and amongst that, I guess there were things to do with if in some of those topics there was sufficient consensus across the the different members of the OECD, we would uh, try and advance those things towards uh, those discussions towards making a, a recommendation. Um, OECD is able to make sort of soft law uh, instruments that essentially define what the the best standard, I suppose, is for is is for policy in these areas, and that can be used to assess uh, members of the OECD or potential applicants to the OECD to to whether their their practice is 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 meeting those best standards. Um, but so that's probably the probably a good place to stop on the OECD stuff.
0: Um, Okay, thank you for that. I guess uh, a nice uh, guest to follow from that uh, would be Ayushi, who hasn't been directly involved with uh, OECD, but uh, as I understand, International Energy Agency, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, So, for the last year, I was with the OECD um, on a fellowship. It's a, well, I'm sorry. So, IEA, International Energy Agency which is legally a part of the OECD. Um, All your contracts and such are handed out by OECD, but they are technically a separate agency in and of themselves. Um, But most members of IEA are also members of the OECD, so they they work hand in hand quite a bit. Um, So for the past, yeah, in 2019, 2020, uh, I was with IEA for the C3 Fellowship, which is a fellowship for um, women who work in the energy sector. And uh, it was a competitive fellowship. So I paused my PhD to do the fellowship at uh, IEA. And uh, that was about a year. And b- before that, I, I worked in um, at Terry, which is an energy and climate-based think tank. Which is based out of New Delhi of the headquarters in, in New Delhi but um, it's sort of everywhere we also have an office in London there's one in Nigeria it's sort of um, all around and the work basically involved my work involved um, so it's an energy and climate change mitigation um, so I would do en- uh, work towards energy policy energy modeling and um, this, it was quite interesting because um, so work at IA and Terry was similar. Uh, they both had to do with energy modeling um, and to quantify what efforts would lead to how much of emission reduction. Roughly speaking, that's that's the work that um, that I did. And um, when I was in India, it was um, we used to work closely with the government as scientific support to policy making. So a lot of uh, climate policies. I've supported through my energy model. Yeah, that's the work I do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting that all of your skills have been like linked together in uh, most of the places where you have uh, worked. Um, uh, next, we have uh, Chihiro joining. Do you want to introduce our uh, our listeners to you? Yes, thank
3: you so much. It's always nice to virtually come back to the UEA. So, I I studied a Masters of Death, uh 2014 to 15. And I'm currently in Kinshasa, DRC, and I'm working at the UN Resident Coordinator Office here. But just after I graduated UEA, I'm back in Japan. I'm from Japan, and I'm back to japan and i work at the one of the un agencies called unita Hiroshima office that's pro, mostly providing some trainings and doing research so uh, there i was working year and a half less than two years over there mainly providing some training for for like a conflict affected countries like south sudan iraq and afghanistan for those uh, trainees that we invited them And then after that, prior to come to Kinshasa, I was in New York working at the permanent mission of Japan to the UN. So actually there's a donor side uh, to the UN counterpart and then taking charge of the peace building matters and uh, the political section. So for example, I was monitoring some security council agenda in West Africa or Latin America. And alongside they have some specific commission uh, discussing on the peace building so like um, japan is one of the active members of the peace building issues so like uh, i was there working for two years as a focal point of uh, the one of the member states and then here i flew to kinshasa and uh, it's around almost a year but because of the covid i more three four months i was working from japan to kinshasa and then i i just arrived in kinshasa last Autumn. So that's a
0: brief, short
3: short introduction of uh, me.
0: All over the world, as I understand. <laughs> and, um, and last but not least, we have another uh, Dev alumni joining us. Uh, Sekander. welcome.
4: Thank you very much. Um, a slight disclaimer before I introduce myself. So if I cough during um, this session, please excuse me. I'm slightly feeling under the weather. But the good thing is, it's not COVID, I got tested, so that's negative. <laughs> uh, my name is Sikander Vizinjo. I am from Dev. I graduated in 2016 with a degree in Development Economics. Um, I'm currently in Karachi, Pakistan. This is where I've been working since I've graduated. Um, in different organizations, in different fields. Um, I've worked with the federal government in Pakistan with the planning commission where all the countrywide policies are being made, um, especially for the development um, area. I've worked with the DFID-funded campaign as well. It was um, locally called Alif Alan, which was the largest educational campaign in the country. Um, and I've, currently, I'm associated with a group called Daud Hercules. Um, they're a corporate, they're an investment company. Um, they are a family business of over 108 years old. Um, I'm, I'm in their department of external engagement. So my department and myself, We look after all their external portfolio, their engagement with the World Economic Forum because we are the only partners of WEF in the country, engagement with Bloomberg New Economy, Atlantic Council. And the idea is to bring um, private sector and work together with the government on sustainable agendas. Um, That's my role uh, with this organization. Um, I'm also a global shaper, which is part initiative of the World Economic Forum. Um, I think my... So my full-time job is 9 to 5, but I see... um, a lot of my work starts after that, that I that I usually do. Uh, so I don't know how, this is the hardest question when I'm asked how to introduce myself, what do I do? So this, I think I have bits and pieces everywhere. So there's Global Shaper, there's a bit of social entrepreneurship, there's a bit of a professional work, uh, but I think I'll. it will be more clear as we go on with the interview. With the
0: Thank you for that. It is clear that you do a lot and you do a lot of good. And uh, I think that is what all of our listeners uh, care about currently. And uh, as um, I recently found out that actually international organizations is not the top sphere where eco graduates uh, from uh, UEA want to go into. So uh, to start off the discussion, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are the benefits? Why are you there where you are? Why did you you choose this career path as an economist out of all the options where you could have gone. Um, So uh, is there anyone who wants to, Ayushi, do you want to start?
2: Yeah, why not? Um, I I think it's a very interesting blend of policymaking and research. It's a very sweet spot working at um, uh, these international think tanks, for the lack of a better word. And there are a couple of. I think there are two different kinds of roles that you can do. One is this, uh, where um, where you have you have a expertise, and then you continuously um, research in that particular topic, and then you produce like the most cutting edge, or at least uh, the most recent research in the topic. That's one kind. And then the others are um, where you have uh, where you can start programs. So the C three fellowship, for example. started a couple of platforms one is called equal by 30 which was an initiative for um, private sector to pledge for uh, equal pay for equal work so regardless of gender sexual orientation and this meant um, like the iea get uh, bringing in the private sector talking to them trying to negotiate work out parameters of how will they measure this Um, there's a similar initiative so c3e program also has national programs and um it has its own set of membership over and above the oecd so a smaller set of oecd countries are member of the c3 and it was very interesting for the countries to come together and then look at parameters and make commitments so um it's it's very high impact. In both cases, you're uh, feeding in t- in both kinds of profiles. I mean, you're feeding into policy. It's very high impact. It's very interesting and exciting, uh, but at the same time, it can be slow. It's not the most like high-paced financial sector sort of a job. So if, if something likes, to me, this is very interesting, and that's why I've chosen this path.
0: Um, Sikander, as you mentioned, the collaboration between private and public sector before in your introduction, do you uh, want to um, elaborate on that?
4: Um, yeah, so I believe um, there's nothing that we can do individually. There has to be a collaboration. There has to be uh, collaborative efforts, whether it be it private sector only, whether it be... It... So, for example, um, in the World Economic Forum these days, the buzz term is stakeholder capitalism, um, and it's defining the traditional capitalism that we are currently in. Um, It's saying that we have to get out of our CSR mindset from private sector. We have to think about people on the planet as the stakeholders as well. Um, So I believe that whatever we do, be it part of the international development or the corporate world uh, focused on international development, it has to uh, be broader than one aspect. For example, if we are just focused on um, one thing, let's say um, gender equality, Um, It doesn't mean that this is the only thing that we are trying to solve. There's so much overlapping within this um, specific framework as well. There's equal pay, um, there's reproduction, there's child rights as well within part of this. There's education. Uh, For example, the the reason that I am part of the development sector is um, perhaps my roots. Um, I am from Balochistan, which is the southwestern province of Pakistan. Um, It's the largest province. It's twice the size of France. Uh, but it's the least populated and the most, the, the least developed as well. Um, I guess coming from there, studying in UEA, um, interacting with people from across the world, um, sort of further, um, I I think, cleared my mind that this is the sector that I want to work in. And I want to bridge the gap between the communities, the masses, and people who are making the policies. I think that's very crucial when we're talking about international development. The policies wouldn't work if you're um, alienated, if you're not not there to represent the community as well, what the communities want.
0: Um, yes, I guess the bridge is the very important uh, part. And uh, um, uh, Chihito, uh, is it similar to you? Because you're more in uh, peacekeeping and conflict resolution as well. Uh, what, what, what do you think are the benefits? Uh, is it the same feeling that you can like work for multiple things at the same time? And, uh, or is there anything else?
3: Sure, that's um, in a way similar, even though there's a different context like environmental policy, but like in in my case is, actually when I was at the UEA, one of the assignments I was um, working on was uh, child labor. And uh, initially I wanted to work uh, in terms of like a child protection or humanitarian dose assistance. But then even the study helps, you know, like as uh, as Lancaster said, you know, even if you want to tackle the child protection or child labor, it's not just end-over. in order to mitigate all those, you need to approach with like a holistic, holistically, or like a root causes. We need to know what is the root causes of this, what is the order like systematically, what we can enhance, or like a good governance is the institutions. So, like, all this, um, like, a multiple elements that need to tackle so actually those with this mind i wanted to think my career path in in terms of like more longer term developments or stabilities not just addressing like uh, immediate needs of course that is a like a really important without no doubt but like me personally i wanted to seek more like a long term so that's that's why i'm more working on a peace building and then like a longer term development side so in a way that's a similar like i would
0: um, uh, yes, uh, Chris, as, uh, as far as uh, uh, Chihiro mentioned, that you sort of can focus more on the long term goals in these sectors. And then I usually said for someone, it might be a minus that, you know, because of this, things might move a bit slower. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what would be the main benefit for you from these sectors?
1: Um, so, I mean, I suppose I came to came to OECD having having worked in the public sector for for 10 years at regulators, competition agencies, and so forth. Uh, and so I kind of see OECD and and I guess other international agencies as an, as an extension of that, really, as an extension of public service. Um, I see a big benefit the the amount of the ability to work with intellectual honesty that is provided in in these sorts of sorts of situations. A lot of economics jobs certainly in my sector would involve having to make an argument uh, to represent a client's answers on what is already a predetermined answer on a particular merger or a, a competition problem and so if you're on uh, if you're on the uh, the agency side or or if you're an international organization you can evaluate that in a in an intellectually honest way and, and just sort of get to the bottom of what you think, what you think the answers are, um, which is always been really important to me. I think the thing, extra thing um, that the international organization offers you is is that that broader perspective across the policy debates that are going on in tangential areas that may wrap up against your policy area. Um, and in addition, obviously, uh, an insight into the global debate. So how this is going differently in Germany as opposed to the U.S. or Japan or wherever it's going to be. You've got all these different perspectives and schools of thought on these issues. Uh, and so it's really interesting to to understand a lot more about, you know, the universe of different answers here and, and to try and pick across those and, and understand what's where the better answers lie. I mean, I should say, obviously, in academia, you get that honesty as well. But for me, it was always important to be a bit closer to policy and to, Try to have an an ability to impact it a little sooner than sometimes the very slow burn of of academic ideas that may change the path over time and which we we certainly draw upon. Um, but I kind of am a little impatient to to try and impact it a little quicker.
0: Um, okay. Yes, I guess that is uh, very important to know that. Um, it's just the very international sphere the very the global uh, aspect of it actually makes you think a lot wider and uh, but when you started uh, how did you decide that this is the thing that you want to do because uh, as you said you know in academia when you're a student it's, it's just a lot different you're not you, you're not provided with all of these perspectives at once how did you get into your first role like what was your start to uh, the position where you are
1: currently um Chris can we follow with you sure um so I came to OECD from the UK competition uh, regulator for the health service um I had been in, in the regulator of the health service after a period of time at the UK competition commission which is the competition and markets authority at the moment uh, most of these things get rebranded pretty quickly over time um so i I had done ten years in competition agencies and regulators and i I originally got into that largely because my professors at, at UEA were members of uh, they were either a commissioner within the competition commission or another one um, Steve Davis was at the oft at the time he was a, an advisor to the, the the staff on on the at the oft and so they were both very much involved with kind of the practical application of uh, their academic um, expertise and so th- having them as as advisors certainly led me very quickly into the kind of this is how these academic ideas get applied in practice and so i i straight as soon as the phd was finished i um i, I applied for a, you know an entry-level position at the competition commission and, and and was lucky enough to to get that which was great because it they uh, within the Within the the public side, you really get kind of thrown in to um, positions where you're facing, um, you know, you're facing panels, you're facing decision makers very quickly and you're not you don't have that those years of bag carrying and uh, all of these kind of aspects. So it was a really useful sort of trial by fire sort of thing.
0: That is interesting to hear that actually the people who were the first ones to inspire you to go for the first positions you went uh, where your lecturers Uh, has anyone else experienced something similar.
4: Um, Yeah, so I I wouldn't say exactly same, but something similar like my um, thesis was on education and um, the gender gap in Pakistan, like the impact of um, low cost schools on gender equality and I really wanted to work in education Um, my my professor. Uh, Peter Serniels, Rob Grant, they all were uh, very much very well versed in um, this whole area. They knew the guys I'm citing. They knew the people I'm citing in my um, thesis as well. So they had connected people from World Bank and helped with the data and stuff. Um, So I think that was my motivation to work in the education sector as well, um, that I got to do a project, a thesis on Pakistan, and I got the reality as well, like, okay, this this is what it is. It's not just Um, talking points this is the reality and I do want to work here Um, so I started applying for various organizations uh, when I came back to Pakistan and I thought that um, the the amount of time that I'm wasting at my place that I'm once like one day I'm just sending to one organization um, I needed a change so I went to this cafe there was this um, a small NGO that they had this beautiful cafe so I started sitting there and applying for these jobs I'm like okay once I'm in such an enabling environment, I'm going to send more CVs to relevant organizations. I'll have more time to think about it as well. And since I was at that cafe every day, um, I asked them if they have something that I can do as a volunteer, because I'm here anyway. Um, might as well in my breaks, I can help you guys out. So they gave me an internship. They gave me a volunteer position. And then after a few days, they were like, okay, we want to pay you as an intern. Do this, do our website, do our research. I'm like, cool. So I was there for like three months before I got my call for the, the, the organization that I was aiming for. Uh, which was, again, the different funded one. Um, it was The organization was working across the country in every district. Um, they have champions and volunteers across the country. Um, so I did two interviews from that cafe and then they flew us to Slambad, which is the capital. Um, and then there was my final interview. They were like, okay, you're, you're good to go. Um, you are our um, sort of the coordinator from Karachi. You have to work with the public organizations, the ministers, the governor and everything. And it sounded so fancy and it actually was very fancy. And I, being a very young person, um, I have grown a beard now, but I didn't have a beard back then. So a lot of the time when I was going to these meetings with the governor or, um, for instance, the minister, they wouldn't take me that seriously. They're like, okay, he's just a kid. What is he talking about? So I deliberately started growing my beard and not shaving. I'm like, okay, I want to look old when I'm going there. Uh, So that was the first experience. I worked with them for over a year before I transited to the government, the federal government itself
0: that sounds like a very speedy start and i I guess good for some students to calm down that like sometimes it's good to take a breath of air just calm down and try to apply for things and just see where things go from there um uh, chihiro was the start that speedy for you as well after graduation
3: well mine is i don't know if if my story will cheer the students up but i think mine is a totally like a luck that i could get the first job so like I I did an internship but before writing the dissertation. I did an internship at uh, OCHA, like a UN OCHA, in in the office in Japan. But then after after wrote the dissertation and I start looking for a job for the job. And then like one of the challenging that I think for the international development industry is really difficult to get the first few years like a job because most of the job is requires minimum 2 years related to experiences or more than 3 years so like at the first step is really difficult so that was same with me and okay what should i do like a most of the interest in job opportunity is requires like already multiple working experiences so i start looking for some jobs entry level related to development but it's really few so like at the same time, actually looking for totally non-related to development, like a private sector in Japan, more like a companies. And, and then one of those, like a Unita that I said, that was the they called an interview for me. And then like I did the interview and after they, day, and it does, that's the, like a really, um, I got the luck to be able to jump into the development field from the like immediate after graduate. But like normally I struggle as well. But I, I honestly thought like I can't I can't even like work non related to to directly related like development. But like, I can still work on something and then come back to the development field. So that was even my thought back in the time. But yeah, so like compared to other people maybe like mine is more depends on the <laughs> the timing. And uh, pause because normally those development areas only vacant for one people looking for the local staff or consultant or those. So it's really important for timings and luck. So I'm not sure if that would cheer the students up or not, but that's my story
0: you have somehow tried to attribute some aspect to luck but uh, i don't know if that is entirely fair Ayushi would you uh, would you say it's a luck as well to get start started with the first role (laughs) um
2: well for me um it was well it was definitely a little bit of luck there was a new policy change in india and i really wanted to do my master's thesis on that um on funding of renewable energy and such so very naively i think i just found out the regulator like who was responsible for um, the financing part in the, in the central regulator electricity regulator? And I just cold emailed them and they actually called me in for an interview. Um, except they were not hiring at their own organization. Um, so they referred me to a consu- to a consultancy that was doing a project for them. Uh, on renewable energy finance. And uh, so I got in, but and but then I went straight into a finance job. That job was, it was not what I really wanted to do. And for the first two years I was working with the standard and poor in finance. Um, but then I got really bored with the job. Like it's high paced, but it's not super, or at least my profile was not super challenging beyond a certain point. Um and that's um then I found an opening for uh well it was at Terry but supporting Planning Commission of India. And I thought that would be a very interesting role, the erstwhile Planning Commission of India now. Um and I applied and I got through and much later my boss told me um that the reason she hired me, one of the reasons she hired me was that she knew that people coming from finance work really, really hard. So, she was very happy to take someone coming from that background. So, that's how I got through the job I got through.
0: Um, that was interesting because we just have an incoming uh, question from uh, one of our students, Hannah, who is asking, how did you approach gaining experience in the development sector as an economics student? Um, so I guess uh, all of you have some economics background, it's just how, how do you... Uh, how, how do you go there? Uh, how do you start? And the, I, I guess Chihiro just said that um, uh, it wasn't, it, it was just luck again. Uh, is there uh, anyone else who wants to try to answer, Hannah?
4: <clears throat> Sikander? I, go. Yeah, I can go. Um, I do agree with Chihiro and Ayushi that the bit of luck is everywhere, but it's not just the luck, it's the commitment as well that you're applying for it, you're going for the interview, you're leaving your comfort zone. So I think apart from luck, um your commitment is always there. Um, so I wouldn't ap- attribute everything to the luck, even for you, Jairo. Um, and I think um, uh, the the focus um, at at early stages when you finish when you graduate, um, I would say the focus shouldn't be monetary. Uh, the focus should be learning and gaining experience. Um, so don't don't look for a high paying job at the very start. Um, because I think that that would sort of drift you away, drift you away from the the, the things that you have in your mind for your career growth. Um, I would say always chase the learning aspect, at least for your your early stages of career. At least I would say three to four years for me. Um, I'm still chasing the learning aspect rather than the monetary one. Of course, at this stage, financial um, things are more important as well uh, when you're at the mid-career stage. Um, but even then... Um, I wouldn't be comfortable in a job if it's not challenging for me, if it's not learning opportunities for me. Um, So I would suggest that um, whatever you're doing, even if it's internship that you're applying for, it's unpaid. It's still okay um, to begin with, as long as the experience is very strong and relevant to the things that you want to do.
0: Um, I guess that is a very good advice, at least, that uh, I can take upon. Um, And we have another student uh, who is asking more about directly the learning process, uh, but more in uh, uh, academics wise, uh, whether it's worth specializing in macro or micro for a third year student in their undergraduate degree uh, if they want to work in international organizations. What exactly are the things that you have to learn? Um, Ayushi, you look like you want to answer.
2: Okay, yeah. um, Well, in my experience, I think you can go through either route. Like if you like to go through the microeconomic route, that's also feasible. You can also come in through uh, microeconomic. You can specialize in anything and still end up at an international uh, organization. Um, The way I approached it was through um, empirical work to to also maybe answer the two questions together. Um, So a a lot of the work I was doing was empirical or modeling related which was directly coming in from like um, your economic textbooks Um, but I don't think that many people can take macro or micro just thinking of what will what will be better in the future? I think it's something that you choose. that what you, what do you prefer more?
1: Yeah, just to chip in, I'd 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 agree that certainly in your third year, I would have thought you could you could be doing both. And as you say, either of them are roots. We at the OECD, we certainly have a central economics team who are doing all the macro, uh, you know, the forecasts and and so forth. But Within each of the other divisions, you know, you've got your health, education, development, it, competition, everybody is doing micro stuff largely. So whatever, whatever's your field, there's a, there's a certainly a route, a route in, I would say. Um, you get some people who will try and go straight into the international organization who, you know, through the internship system and so forth. Others, a lot of people within our division would have been recruited as almost Experts or people coming with experience of the field already, so it might be something that they built up to. Um, so there are there are different stages of your career at which you could you could look to get involved in a in an international organisation. Um,
0: so I guess there is no one one way fits all, and uh, it's just uh, what you prefer more, what you like more. And uh, there was another student who asked a similar question uh, about uh, development economics, which I guess I could ask more to Sikander. Um, uh, what do you focus more, m- m- macro or micro? Would you say that it's there is such a crucial difference, or uh, would you say that it's just a matter of what is your calling at that moment?
4: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with Chris. Um, I don't think there's one specific answer to either micro micro or macro, but I've seen in this field a lot that a lot of people start from macro and then they go to micro and a lot of people who start from micro and they move to macro as well. So there's a shift and that is possible with your experience.
0: That is uh, is quite uh, interesting that you can, it's not such a set way that where you're gonna start, there you're gonna finish. And uh, on that, I uh, wanted to ask you, how uh, flexible or set has your working life been? When you started, uh, how easy has it been to switch from, I don't know, macro, micro, but also from your positions to one from one position to uh, another position? How uh, flexible is the working atmosphere in uh, international organizations? Um, Chihiro, do you want to start? Sure.
3: I, maybe there's a different, like interpretation like a shifting from one role to another role but like in my case this is my third job like since graduated so like in terms of like a career up phase in 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 our industry there's there's uh, lots of people like uh, moving one place to another every two three years i that's my feeling and then that's completely normal so in in that sense it's totally flexible and it but in other, and um, otherwise you you can always look for the next position so like if you' like a, in my case working in the unita in japan and then now start looking for like a gaining new knowledge by working start working and then now i wanted to see more like a government governance issues i would i want to work on a governance or more international context and i'm start looking for another job and i found like this um in New York. So like a door thing like a is flexible, but at the same time, you can always open your 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 like antenna and then ready to apply for the new position all the time. so that that is the like um, the way to hop one to another,
0: yeah just keep your eyes and uh, ears open to the opportunities that might come across. Uh Chris, uh since uh, you are currently in a position of uh changing things in your life, I guess. Uh, what you, what would you answer to this question? Is it easy?
4: <laughs>
1: um so I, I I guess there's there's two interpretations of this, aren't there? there there's the kind of how flexible is it switching between international organizations within that sector or how is it within switching within kind of my competition sector um and on the on the on the latter i would certainly say within the competition world it's it's pretty easy to to switch there's um uh you know there's a lot of different organizations that are, are doing things in that space uh, a lot of regulators a lot of agencies, a lot of private firms that are involved. Um, it's a relatively small world in the sense that you quickly find that, you know, lots of people within the industry, you're seeing everybody uh, fairly frequently. And so, yeah, it's always been quite straightforward to, to, to move around, which obviously can create its own issues in terms of um, Uh, more substantive questions of uh, revolving doors and so forth, but let's leave that for another day. Um, Within the international sector, I'm less sure. I I don't know. I haven't had experience of switching from one sort of part of the international sector to another. Um, uh, I've I've had some conversations with the World Bank as part of this sort of uh, next phase, and so they seem to really value the fact that you've been in a previous international organization, I guess they understand the sort of skill set that that gives you in a way that sometimes a a domestic uh, or a a firm or a domestic regulator might not quite see the relevance. You might have to explain that a little further, Um, but I would imagine it would be fairly easily.
0: I guess, uh, Sikander, you mentioned that you are doing many things at the same time uh, rather than switching from one to another. So I guess you, you could answer what is rather than moving on- onwards from one to another. How do you manage to combine or how do you like or or when you have wanted to switch? Have you managed to do that?
4: Yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm lucky that I've got a job which sort of supports my own um, work as well, because both of the work that I do sort of aligns. The things i did do in my own personal capacity they sort of feed in into the larger perspective of the work that i do for my organization the professional work as well um, so i think in that sense that i i have this um, tiny advantage but i would say ba- balance it and do not lose sight of um, the purpose that you have um, always keep the purpose the values at the center of it um, i think changing jobs um, so i've worked with international organizations i've worked with the government and i've also worked with the corporates And I think changing your jobs um, is totally it depends on the individual, um, on your own capacity of looking for those opportunities, your own capacity of networking, your capacity of holding on to those networks as well and not just using them all the time. Um, So I think that that plays a very crucial role as well. And uh, especially in the development sector, I would say um, it's a very close knit community. Uh, People know each other, um, especially if you're working in one country or Um, in one area, for example, gender, people know each other, and they are looking at your work, whatever you do. Um, So a lot of opportunities come from there as well.
0: That's quite interesting that you say that, um, you know, this seems like a big world, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, the same people in these roles coming around. And uh, Ayushi, as you were in a fellowship, did you feel uh, like it's the same? Did you uh, feel like you would be able to go into somewhere else if you wanted to?
2: Um, um, well, yes and no. So there are different places, so I've moved different profiles within energy. So for me at the time, it seemed like a big jump going from uh, how industry uses energy to how households use energy. But at the end of the day, I think like uh, most people look at me as a expert on energy demand and energy consumption. So, um and now because i've been doing this for almost eight years now so like i think now i've sort of been set in that frame so i'm sure i can move but there is the trade-off then i lose all this uh professional capital let's say you know like um of but it's not impossible to move that that i also can say so for uh, to take a different example um in the think tank that i worked in terry in india um i moved a little bit around uh projects on looking at uh emission inventory projects which were super quantitative projects to um uh, climate policy pro that were more qualitative projects just looking at what people care about what people don't or behavior changes um now to me these seem like different roles i don't know for somebody coming from outside the sector, they might seem like very close roles. So there is movement uh, to do things that excite you. I think after some time, um, you start uh, you start you uh, what do I say you're trapped in your circle of expertise is what I think.
0: Um, yes it's quite interesting that all of you are sort of saying that you can you can switch if you want to but don't try to you know don't lose the balance and sort of uh, remember where you are and remember you know that there are trade-offs that you're making when you're doing uh this um uh, we have spent a lot of time talking about that but uh i uh going back to uh what our students would be very interested in uh i would uh be very interested to ask you uh all of you now have the skill set that all of these international organizations value and that all are like you know keeping their eyes open and looking at you Um, but but how do you develop that Uh, what do you focus on as a student Um, like what do these organizations need what do you focus on what are the skills that you need to develop to get in there Uh,
1: yeah so what do we look for again I guess I guess of more interest for you is 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 in terms of uh, um, entry level positions, right? Um, because at other levels, they will be looking for expertise developed already, practical practical experience, which is what certainly the OECD, as a think tank, needs to always be making sure it's got practically minded people coming in as as well as the thinkers that it's 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 doing as its day job. Um, but I, I would say at the entry level, what you're what you're looking at, um, really, uh, certainly for for OECD, I think you, we would look at people who have been who have specialised in the topic that we are that our division is focused on. So uh, who have had a very uh, competition focused um, experience that they've done their masters and and they've uh, you know gone as far as they. Uh, they can there um, that they are sort of practically minded, so that perhaps there would be a, a preference for people who have um, done theses that apply um, uh, their thinking to, to to real markets and real regulations and so forth, rather than some of the more highly theoretical pieces that that you might find amongst um, uh, I/O economists um and then i guess just and this goes across the board really that 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 we're always looking for more for people who have a um an interest in how this is done across across the world rather than having a a sort of a narrow focus on how how that topic is is considered within their own jurisdiction uh that that's often one of the problems that we can find, even of very experienced people, that they're only really aware of the world in which they've they've worked and uh, the the view within their country. So, I think that that curiosity about how things are done elsewhere and uh, uh, putting that within the broader context is a really important part of selling yourself to uh, to an international organisation.
0: Okay, so apart from more the practical theoretical uh, knowledge, so you just like keep the broad context. uh, Without the academic qualifications, uh, do any other of our panelists can think of what are the other skills that you might need in this sector? Uh, Sikander?
4: Yeah, Um, so I think the other skills are very important as well, um, especially if I give you um, the examples from my own and also the people that we recruited over years. During my first interview, so uh, when I was um, when I was in Slambad for the final thing, so half the first half an hour um, was focused on my thesis. Okay, what was your modeling? What did you do? What was your final results and what was the data that you used? How did you get come across that data? Why education? And the second half was what else did you do in the university? So I think that what else part is what distinguishes you uh, when you go for the first career. Uh, For me. I have always been curious. Um, um, I think I joined um, the Model UN Society as soon as I came to UEA. I inquired about it before even coming to the UEA that does this society exist because I'm passionate about this. Um, I looked at all the clubs and societies of the university before even I decided that UEA would be the final um, place. Um, I joined the Adventure Society. I was constantly traveling with them. I was staying um, at local homes as well. I'm trying to experience the culture. I stayed with my British friends um, with their lovely parents and sort of experienced the real culture of the UK. So when I when I went for my first job, this is what I had to say, that this is what I've done. I volunteered with the, um, I think, Norwich, uh, Norwich City Council. So I was one of the volunteers who would show you around the city. Um, yeah, I had the um, shirt on which says, um, can I help you? So I think that gave me the exposure of getting to know the real city as well. Like you walk around the same streets, hundreds of times, but you never notice that one plate on top of it that sort of um, distinguishes that this is from that century, this is such an old building, and this is where the troops marched back then, these are where the tunnels are. So I think these experiences, they all count, they are part of your experiences, um, and they are equally important as your academic achievements.
0: I guess on that note, what we can conclude uh, is that there are many skills that you can learn while you're still here at university. Let it be in the classroom or outside. There are many things that you can learn that would help you not only to enter these international organizations, but also develop a successful career there. And who knows, maybe one day you, one of our listeners, uh, might join this community of people who work in international organizations and uh, dedicate your career, your working life, um, to fight for things that matter. And uh, on that note, thank you very much to uh, all our listeners. And thank you very much, Sikander, Ayushi, Chris, and Chihiro. It has been wonderful to have this discussion with you. And I hope you tune in for our future podcasts.